Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptaw, C70 at the bat at C70 on Twitter. Usually with me is, is Tara Nichols, but Tara is out tonight. So we've brought back uh, David Jones. You'll find him at iPop Editor on Twitter. He was with us earlier in this season. And I mean, David, this was a week that we couldn't <laughs> couldn't just skip, unfortunately, as much as it feels like we would like to. Uh, Cardinal season goes from the high of of last week and the excitement of the last home games for these legends to being over. Uh, I know we've got, it, it's a little bit different than last year in the fact that the Dodgers, you know, walked it off in a home run or something, but still this was a very sudden end to a season. Yeah. And when you said that uh, you didn't feel like we could skip this, my first thought was, are you sure? Because <laughs> it's just, this is like depressing and deflating and it, it, there's t- I was thinking about it like there's times where you tip your cap to the other team and say they were the better team they played better okay mm-hmm. move on I don't right. feel like this and I don't I don't want to take anything away from the Phillies but after that first game like you don't I don't want to tip the cap to the Phillies I just want to go hide in a hole somewhere because of the Cardinals it was just right. embarrassing and it's not the way you want to go out you want to go out with your best foot forward not where you don't even show up. Yeah, that's the, and that's kind of what we saw so much of September, right? That the offense just wasn't there. It, I hate to go pinning it on one person because baseball is such a team game and one person isn't the be all and end all. But the fact that Paul Goldschmidt had such a, a tough end to September and then just a terrible series here. I mean, that's a large part of of why the Cardinals aren't playing any more baseball. Yeah, and if you had told me three months ago that we'd be talking about Goldie in this capacity, Mm -hmm. I would have thought you were crazy because of the season he's had. And it it just doesn't make any sense. And it's one of those things that, like, you wouldn't be surprised if we hear about something about having some type of elbow or shoulder injury that's been nagging at him and having some type of cleanup surgery this offseason. And maybe not. And the thing is... He's not the type of guy to make excuses. Um, even post game, he was putting all the blame on himself and saying he played awful. And if he had played better, they would have won. And I, I appreciate that accountability. It's just so odd to see that he's the one that struggled and struggled down the stretch. And um, and he's not alone in that either. And I, some of it, you know, you wonder, OK, do guys just get out of sync? Do they get out of rhythm? Were there injuries? I also wonder, you know, this is going to get a little philosophical here, but a lot of times in life, when you have like your great experiences, your high emotional experiences, you're set up for an emotional letdown right after that. And we hear guys talk about even after winning championships, it's like they feel empty the next day. And I almost wonder if with this team clinching early and then seeing the 700 home runs from Pujols, if like the emotions got so high and then they just bottomed out. And it's tough to get those competitive juices flowing again, even with the crowd of 50,000 people screaming and behind you. Once you've kind of turned it off, you just can't turn it back on again. And I feel like that's what we saw. Yeah. I mean, they're very, very good possibility. There's, that's got to have played some sort of part in it. I, you know, how much we don't know, but this, especially this September has been such a focus on the legends and, and what they're doing and the excitement and all that, that, yeah, they're they're. You know, I've talked about it either here or on another show. You know, what does next year even look like for this team? Because there is that kind of letdown of there's not that kind of 
history and magic and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I could see that. Um, you know, we have seen times where people struggle at the end of the season and they're able to pick it up for the all the playoffs. But you know, a lot of times I think you'd like to have seen them, especially since they played those last six games against Pittsburgh, you'd have liked to seen them really kind of tune up and start hitting and didn't really see that. Um, I know, you know, maybe that was our, you know, kind of a warning light flashing there. And you're right. You can't take everything. The Phillies, the Cardinals have had trouble with Zach Wheeler all year. They've, you know, Aaron Nola is a very good pitcher. You know, it's, it's not terribly surprising that they were difficult to try to put anything together against them, but you know, you can't, you can't, you can't give all the credit to the Phillies again, especially when you have a two run lead in the ninth inning of the game one. Yeah. And I was thinking about this today, kind of thinking back over the season as a whole. And I wondered, are the Cardinals really, were they really as good as what their record showed? Yeah. They played in a very weak central. And so I feel like the win total may be inflated a little bit. And I started kind of going through the lineup and thinking, okay, who overperformed this year and who underperformed? And I think you could probably put like Goldie and Arenado in the overperformed, although it's, you know, about what you expect. Pujols definitely overperformed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donovan was definitely a nice surprise. But then after that, it's like, okay, Tommy Edmond probably played about at expectations. Um, but then you look at who underperformed and you'd throw like O'Neill, DeYoung, the catcher position. Uh, Gorman wasn't quite what we thought he would be yet. Uh, Carlson had a pretty rough year. And I thought, you know what? Maybe from a lineup perspective, this team just wasn't that good. Um, you had, a, you know, kind of top heavy with a few superstars. But then after that, it just it, it, it wasn't great. I mean, look at the outfield they put out there in game two. I mean, yeah. that's you had Dickerson, Newt and Yepes. Now, you could have told me that that was an outfield in Memphis at one point this year, and I would have believed you <laughs> or maybe a getaway game. But. That was the outfield, the starting outfield for a playoff game. And and that just, to me, says weak lineup. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've just pulled up some of the splits here because I was wondering, kind of thinking the same way as you do, is like, you know, next year they don't play quite as many games against the Central with this balanced um, schedule where you're playing everybody. You cut that down to what? I think it's like eight, nine, ten games maybe between instead of 19. Um the Cardinals had a 783 OPS against teams that were less than 500. Their OPS of teams that had a winning percentage over 500 was 698. I mean, you've got to be able to, now, you know, I'm not, that hitting is not everything, but, you know, that's a good way to win a ball game is to score some runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to have to figure out a way to do that because you don't play teams under 500 in the playoffs yet. Um, baseball keeps expanding that's a possibility but um <laughs> you know you've got to find a way and so that does ask the question we are here after yet another quick exit the cardinals you know lose last year in the wild card game they lose in 2020 and this you know kind of a wild card series after winning game one so they've lost five straight games they went out such in you know everybody remembers 2019 in the championship series they have not had a really good run, what, maybe since 2013 when they went to the yeah. World Series and lost. Mm-hmm. There comes a point where you've got to start wondering, is there something different we need to do? Is there a focus? Is our focus too much on winning a division or you know being able to compete in the division and not enough about 
what comes next. Yeah, I think that brings up a great point. I mean, last year it kind of started off talking about the division and then it turned into let's just make the playoffs, um, which they did, but Mm -hmm. not much happened. And then so it felt like this year was like, let's take one more step forward. Now, I know Ali kind of talked about anything less than a World Series would be a disappointment, but it felt like the whole year the idea was let's just get above the Brewers and get in. Well, that's great and all, but unless you're one of those top two teams in the National right. League, you're playing the same game as all the other wildcard teams. You just get to play them at home. Um, and so it's it's one of those things, like you, you mentioned, the starting pitching aspect, which I thought, I, looking at the series, I thought, well, that's going to be a weakness. The Cardinals are going to be overmatched because they're facing an ace and maybe a ace number two. Mm-hmm. Um, but that really didn't seem to be the issue here. It seemed to be more that the bats just couldn't do anything against it. And so, yeah, that does bring up, questions about roster construction um you know you've got a few guys that are staples in that lineup and that's great and i'm looking forward for that for years to come Uh, but there are some massive holes that have to be filled and if you can basically pitch around a couple guys and then you get to about four guys in the order that can't swing the bat or don't have any pop uh, you've got some issues you got to work out right and 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 again you're as you mentioned you got to figure out what you have with tyler o'neill you know if he's 2021 Tyler O'Neill, that's great. If he's 2022 O'Neill, then you've got a problem. Um, you've got to figure out which Dylan Carlson you're going to have. Is he still going to be able to develop, or has he, you know, have have they figured him out a little bit? I think there's enough time that you know Carlson still has a chance to develop and and be something more of what they thought they were going to be, but. You know, I think this is it's a time where you're going to have to really make those decisions in the offseason because I don't know that you can sit around and spend all year next year trying to find those answers as well. Um, mm-hmm. Especially when you're not going to have Paul Goldschmidt be MVP again next year. And, and as much as he fell apart in September, it still feels like he's probably your MVP. Um, you know, you don't have no one. Nolan Arnauto may not have the year that he had this year as well as another MVP possible candidate. Um, you don't have Albert Pujols. Uh, you don't have, you know, you're going to lose a little bit from with the audio really and how he dealt with pitching stuff. There's a lot of things that you're not going to have next year. Um, you can't just roll it, run it back and say, well, we won the division. There's, you know, there's not much else we need to do. It helps that the division is so weak, but you know, again, when does when does really trying to put a team together that can get one of those top two spots or get deep into the playoffs become the focus more than just getting in there and hoping everything works out? Right. And and I kind of I know this is looking way too far ahead, but I, I worry that next year could end up almost being like a gap year of sorts because you've got DeYoung that's under contract for one more year for about nine million dollars. And then you think, okay, well, when's Mason Wynn going to be ready? That may be two years away. So you don't want to go out and spend a lot on a shortstop if you think your future shortstop's two years away. Um, you think about catching position. If, if Kisner's not the guy, is Herrera the guy? If you think Herrera's the guy, is he ready next year? Eh, maybe not. Maybe you're looking for another year. So there could be another gap. You, you look at somebody like Jordan Walker, who could be the guy who saves his team at some point. But is he ready for next year? Probably not. Maybe into the season. So you're looking at, you know, maybe another year before he comes up. So do you hold off on filling that uh, corner outfield space? Um, It's one of those things. And we know that the Cardinals are typically a little more on the conservative side when it comes to spending. 
And so I, I don't see the lineup getting a lot better. I think you have to hope you get better production out of who you have. And maybe you start seeing Gorman come into his own. Burleson becomes uh, the top 100 prospect that people think he can be. Uh, Yepes maybe steps up. But yeah, right now there's it looks like you could be losing a lot. And I'm not sure the replacements coming in, whether it's the same guys replacing themselves or it's new people coming in. I don't know if it's going to do a lot of good as far as improving this team right now. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a a very frustrating place to be, um, especially for a. And again, it's just some of this is I don't want to say spoiled, but there are different levels of expectations in St. Louis. I mean, you know, uh, Seattle got into the playoffs for the first time in what twenty something years this year. You know, I don't think they would be complaining too much about you know quick exits after a couple of, of seasons. Um, they're just would be happy to get there. That being said, they moved on. So maybe, maybe uh, that's a different bad example, but, um, but I do think, you know, that's, I mean, as fans, there's not much you can do anyway. Right. I mean, you can just kind of sit around and make podcasts and write blogs and yell on Twitter and, and things like that. And yeah, people could say, well, I'm not going to go spend your money. You know, they're not going to notice your, you know, once ticket a year or whatever the case may be, you know, there's, you know, they're, they're going to have 40 some thousand people that's in that stands because they are going to be somewhat successful, especially in the regular season. Um, I don't know. I don't know how they go out and approach it. I don't know that throwing a lot of money is at this problem is the right answer. Um, cause you have to do it in a, a manner that makes sense. I mean, the Mets spent a lot of money this off season and last I checked, they were just a few outs away from being, uh, going home just like St. Louis in this first round um, after, you know, leading the division for so many, so for so long. Um, so I, I really don't know necessarily what the answer is. You're right. There's, there's young people coming up, but there could be that gap that, that hesitate, you hesitate to go out and spend money. But then again, you know, maybe you go get a traitor. You noticed that Mason Wynn has played second base in the AFL. You know, maybe you go out and get a Trey Turner or somebody like that, and you just figure that if if Wynn's talented enough, we'll find another spot. It's kind of like what they did with Nolan Gorman, right? They got Nolan Arnado, and they said, "Let's go see if you can play second base." Um, so I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how they approach that because I there is going to be a a level of discontent if they just say, "Well, Tyler O'Neill is going to be better. Dylan Carlson is going to be better." We're going to have Jordan Montgomery all year long. Things are going to be fine. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the word expectation. And it's funny that you said that because, especially referring to fans in St. Louis, uh, because this morning I thought about that same word coming from someone else who said it. And it's someone who's wearing pinstripes right now. And that is Mr. Harrison Bader. When he got traded, he wrote something in the Players' Tribune, and he talked about how that um, he regretted making an offhand comment about how sometimes it was hard to play in St. Louis because mm-hmm. the fans could be hard on you. And he talked about how that um, he said what he was getting at was not hate. He said it was more of an expectation. And after he said that, he said it's more his exact words were, I think it's more like an expectation, one that's justified. It's a deep caring and it's a good thing. And I thought, okay, he gets it. He understands what the fans are probably feeling right now. Um, and it made me think about this whole Cardinal way, which gets mocked a lot of times. And you hear people kind of bring it up like 
kind of like when Spags had his pillars uh, with the Rams and people mocked that. Uh, but I, the Cardinal way, it's really it's one of those things. It's not about perfection, but it's more about excellence and doing things the right way. And I think we saw that collapse, especially in that first game. Um, mm. Things like good defense, uh, mm-hmm. the small things like getting the runner over in scoring position, um, just small things that I feel like if the Cardinals had actually been true to themselves and what they do, um, and that even includes knowing when your pitcher's hurt, bringing somebody in, yeah. uh, we may be having a different conversation right now, or we may be waiting a little bit to record because game three is going on right now and it's it's a nail biter. Um, yeah. And so I, in some ways, I do feel like this team had the potential to go much further than they did. Um, Just a a lot of craziness happened in game one. Game two was terrible. Um, You know, you don't, it's not a good time for your pitcher to get a dead arm, even if he's in his Mm -hmm. forties. Flaherty's injury history, all that going on. Um, It just feels like just a few different components and things could be going a different way. But that being said, if you go out and score eight runs in each game, then you don't have anything to worry about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, and again, you know, we look at this and, you know, the ball that Nolan or an auto hit in the first game that I think everybody in the place thought was a home run and, and didn't make it out. I mean, that's a home run you know, 90% of the time. If that goes out, the complexion of the game changes and who knows? Um, it was, it was tough. Somebody put out the tweet today about all the balls that Nolan hit with exit velocities of like 95 plus that all got caught. And his one hit was like 70 something, you know, it was some <laughs> sort of fluke hit. And, and that's, you know, he gets lumped in with Goldie in part because they, you know, the strikeouts and the fact that they're just things didn't come through at the time. But I, I don't, I don't know that it's fair to put him in that category because it did feel like he took some better at bats. But yeah, I mean, you know, if Ryan Helsley could just tell somebody that his finger is not, he can't feel his finger, then, you know, does that change things? You know, but mm-hmm. why is Ollie Marmol sending a guy that just got jammed, you know, out for five outs? Um, you know, it's it's fascinating to think that, you know, how, how many things change. I don't, I mean, what is your opinion on, because I know a lot of people have griped about it. I didn't get a chance to actually watch physically watch the ninth inning of, the, of that game or much of the eighth. Um, but a lot of people have been critical of Marmol's management over this series. How much of that do you think is fair? How much do you think that's a bit of sour grapes and just the, the magnitude of the moment? I think you, if you're going to talk about managing, you have to take the good with the bad and the bad with the good, and you have to look at everything from a holistic approach. Now, if Helsley comes in there and shuts the door, what we're talking mm-hmm. about after that game is how incredible his move was to put Yepes in the spot that he did when he hit the home run. Um, I, I, I mean, that that looked like a brilliant, brilliant managerial move that might have won the game. And so I actually texted my friend right after that. And I said, an incredible job by the manager there to exploit the matchup. And so it was on its way to being just an incredible move on his part. Now, watching the ninth inning, it was not pretty. And watching Helsley pitch, and as much as I couldn't stand listening to A-Rod talk, they were on this where they said, Helsley cannot locate his fastball, but he could locate his off-speed stuff. Now, if a guy 
can't locate his fastball, but he does have the breaking stuff going. That's usually the opposite of what happens. And so it told me right away, Helsley didn't have the yips. If you have mm-hmm. the yips, your curveball, we, well, yeah. we saw with Rick Ankiel what that right. looks like. And so I felt like you could tell about two batters into the ninth inning that something wasn't right. I mean, when a guy is placing his breaking ball perfectly over the plate with so much action, and then his fastball, which he usually throws effortlessly, is going who knows where into the backstop. Yeah, you can tell right away. And so I felt like Marmol was at least one batter late in pulling him. I would probably say two batters late, especially when it's the playoffs and when you're pulling your starter that quick, which I thought was just a little bit too early, to let your reliever go longer. We didn't have an issue with the three batter minimum. He'd already pitched his lot. Um, and if it's an injury, which the guy had just suffered an injury, so you you're gonna you can go out there. I don't want to say you fake the injury, but you know something's not right with your guy. You've seen your guy right. all year. You know something's not right. You can get Palante. You can get uh, Flaherty their time to warm up. So, yeah, I felt like he went from making an absolutely brilliant managerial decision to just being very, very late. It, it right. ugh, This is going to make me cringe, but it reminded me a little bit of Matheny <laughs> sticking with guys too long when it was kind of like, you know, that's my guy. I got to get him right. And right. then I felt like one thing that Schilt really struggled with is Schilt was always one batter too late bringing in guys from the bullpen. And I felt like it, we were seeing that all over again. So, yeah, the managerial side of things was off. Now, I will say defense as well suffered in the ninth. And then at the same time, there were just some of those just hits that shouldn't have been hits. I had a friend that's a Phillies fan texted me and he said, he said, man, I love winning this game, but I really hate that we won it on walks and some cheap hits that should have never yeah. made it through the infield. And yeah. I thought, yeah, but they were well-placed and that, you, you know, you put the bat on the ball when the Cardinals had a chance to put the bat on the ball, they struck out and couldn't get guys over. So um, some of it, yeah, just a little bit of luck on batting average with balls in play. But yeah, I, I think Marmel was a little in over his head in the ninth inning there. Yeah. And you do wonder if Gagos was still available, if he hadn't used Gagos, which is, I mean, again, weird. I'm not, I'm not really faulting him because he would have most nine times out of 10 used Gagos ahead of Helsley anyway. But if somebody like that was available, you know, do they go a little bit quicker to the bullpen? I, I think that's, I know that there's that, you know, you've got to stay with, you know, dance with what wrong year or whatever the case may be. But, you know, in the best of three game series, when you've only got a two run lead, if your closer walks somebody, I mean, you've got to have somebody up right then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, and a little bit of hesitation on, he said that, you know, he didn't bring in Flaherty because Flaherty's never been in that situation before. I, nobody's been in that situation yeah. before. Right. I mean, and you know, Andre Palante was a guy that I had said beforehand, I thought might not even make the roster the way he had pitched in September. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, there's not good decisions because this is how you script it. And anything times this things goes off script, you're kind of scrambling. Um, but yeah, I think I, I don't, we're not going to come out tomorrow and find out that Marmol got fired like we did <laughs> last year with Mike Schilt. Um, and, and there is some learning experience. I mean, there's, there's a learning curve to a guy that I think managed pretty well all year long, but you know, it's his first postseason. It, it, I guess it's probably to be expected that there's going to be a little bit of at least a lot of second guessing on that. And I, and I think honestly that, you know, cause we read that uh, before game two, that he said, he said it and spent 
you know, much of the night replaying that whole thing too, trying to figure out, you know, exactly what, would he have done something? I think he's going to second guess himself quite a while on that as well. But at some point in time, you got to put it away and, and just focus on next year. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't want to put the loss squarely on his shoulders for game mm-hmm. one. I, I do think he made some bad decisions and that possibly you could put the loss on him, but at the same time, he was not the one that went one for 11 with runners in scoring position mm-hmm. in the series. Um, Cardinals left 28 guys on base in, in two games. Um, Goldie and Arenado alone left eight guys on base in game two. So yeah, those are things that the manager, I mean, when you put your best guys up there, you expect them to produce. If nothing else, you expect them to get the runner over and they didn't do that. So yeah, game two is one of those issues that I don't think that was on him. Um, I think that was on the team and the lineup not producing. I I do want to ask you something about that though, with his managing, because this was debated on Twitter for a bit. Uh, Yachty came up in two key spots in game two towards the end of the game, including the ninth inning. Is there any way possible that anybody in their right mind could send up a pinch hitter for him, which probably would have been Dylan Carlson, knowing that it you possibly are removing Yachty from his last career at bat? I think that they should have. I mean, and, and granted, Yachty got the base hit there in the ninth um, to keep the inning going, and that but I just, I couldn't believe that they were sending him up again. Um, just because I know Yachty has this clutch gene and I'm not saying that in a, a negative way. He has come up big in a lot of times, but you're down what you're down and he's not going to hit a home run. You know, he's going to have to hit it basically all the way to the wall and hope the outfielder falls down <laughs> to get the second, you know, you just didn't feel like that was the right play. I mean, the seventh, Maybe, but yeah, I feel like you probably should have pinch hit there too. You know, Tony LaRusso pinch hit for Mark McGuire. He didn't know it was Mark McGuire's <laughs> last at bat, but you know, he also, and, and McGuire was physically compromised to some degree in that, in that series too. But I think, I mean, again, if it's game one and, and it was right. Molina yeah. comes up in but, game one the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, mirror, um, mirror games for Molina and mirror opportunities. Although yeah. it game one, the bench was a little bit emptier. I think right. Kisner may have been the only one available at that point. I think he probably was. And I mean, I, I think there's a case to be made for, you know, letting Kisner take that at bat over, over Yachty, but it's a 50, 50. Okay, fine. But in game two, when your game, your season is riding on the line, it, I think you've got to take your best shot. And, and I guess Marmol felt like that was, but I I would have, I think I would have pitched, you know, I said, look, we're trying to get you another game. You know, I can't be sentimental about the last at bat. That's what last Sunday was about, right? That was about, you know, letting Adam Wainwright stay out there long enough so that all three of those guys could walk off the field together and not worry about the score here. If, you know, if this doesn't work out, you're going to, there's no more games. Um, and again, it did pan out in the ninth. Nobody, I mean, maybe, and, it, and again, it's not like that bench was, you know, super, right? I mean, Carlson would have thought would have been better, but Carlson has struggled enough that it's not like there's a, a high probability that he's going to hit a double or a home run or even a single. So, I mean, I guess you could talk yourself into unless there's somebody significantly better or significantly more guaranteed, 
you you ride with a guy that's been there. Yeah, I think you're. I mean, you're looking at Carlson coming in from the left side. Uh, if you're putting him in it for Yachty, uh, you still had Gorman, I guess, as a possibility in game mm-hmm. two. But at that point, you're basically telling Gorman, like, you know, you haven't done anything in a couple months. Go up there and either swing for the fences or strike out. I feel like that's basically your only option. Now, you know, maybe that 5% chance that Gorman hits a home run and ties mm-hmm. the game, you take that. Um, but yeah, it, it yeah, it, it was, it's weird because really similar opportunities in both games, although the bench was very, very different com- uh, right. compared to one and two. So, um, just one of those odd moments that I was really hoping it wouldn't come down to that. Um, obviously, you know, if, if Albert's up at the plate, you feel a whole lot better right, and you're right. not taking him out. But with Yachty, who's been struggling with the bat and who's, you know, he's probably not hitting one out of the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, but I, I don't I don't fault him for not making the move because I think he would have had that same La Russa re- regret where he would have to live with that, knowing that he ended his career. Um, yeah. But and I, I think with McGuire too, there was even something like he was hitting like two ninety nine, and one hit would have put him back up to like three hundred. There was something weird with that. Well, too. I don't remember um, for sure, but he that was the playoff series against Arizona, where he pitched yeah. hit with Kerry Robinson. Um, I may which, be thinking of the year he hit seventy, where he was left in the on deck circle or something like that. There, uh, yeah, um, um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm not big for sentimental things, winning out in situations like this, but I, I do understand why you he couldn't make that move at that point. Yeah, and again, I mean, like you said, no guarantees on anybody. Gorman had driven in a run, you know, the day before. And, you know, and he pulled Pujols in the seventh when Pujols singled um, to try to get the pinch runner, which, of course, did nothing because the next two guys struck out, I think. But, you know... It, that was going to that that had about a chance to burn the Cardinals because I was starting to figure out, OK, you know, if they keep the line moving. Well, OK, Albert Spots will come up here in a couple of times, but then it's Ben Deluzio instead of Albert Pujols. And that's a frustrating way to, to lose a game, too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, you're right. I, I can understand the idea. And I think that. I do not think that Ali Marmol was just playing sentimentality on that. I, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, sentiment can play a part, but you better have something to back it up. And, you know, again, it's when you factor all the, the variables, you know, maybe that was a tiebreaker. And yeah, I guess. Yeah. And, yeah and, um, and I will say, you know, in big moments like that, there are some guys who rise to the occasion mm-hmm. and there are other guys, even professionals. We see it all the time who just can't handle the pressure. Um, I, I listened to some of Wainwright's comments afterwards and he said when he saw that the gap that they were giving him out in the outfield, he knew Yachty was going to take an outside pitch and poke it out there. Uh, I think he said for a double, didn't quite get yeah. to that, but um, that may be one of those situations too, where you think, you know what, I'm sending a guy up to the plate who's been there. He's not going to be nervous. He knows what to do when he's not going to try to do too much. And we saw in game two, it, it worked out. It didn't, the final outcome didn't come out that way, but right he didn't try to hit one out of the park. He just tried to poke it and get on base. So maybe there's something in that too. with thinking, you know what? We at least know Yachty's not going to like lose his mind up there and, and black out, but he'll at least give a good at bat. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a lot You're of probably, what ifs, I guess at right. this point, I just think that, you know, there's a 75 to 80% chance that he hits it on the ground. And, you know, again, there's no place he can hit it on the ground that he can beat it out. <laughs> um, and I think that was my biggest fear. I mean, that's the kind of thing that, 
And we saw it in, I think it was in game one. It might've been in game two where, you know, there's, there's two on nobody out and Albert comes up and I'm like, that's great. Except that if Albert hits it on the ground, it's a double play. And Mm -hmm. you know, that's what he did. Um, So, you know, guys like that. And again, you take that with Albert, right? I mean, that's all the, all the really good power hitters have high double play combinations because they just hit the ball that hard. And of course, Albert again, can't run either. So I don't know. There's, there's a lot of uh, variables and, you know, I'd much rather the game have been five runs up or five runs down, I guess. And then you can have all the sentiment you want. Um, but I think I was, I was very surprised that they didn't go ahead and pitch. Of course, I was a little bit surprised that they left Corey Dickerson in with two outs and your season on the line as well. I'm a little bit surprised that Corey Dickerson started both of these games. I don't know that, that there have been not a lot of great options, but it feels like there were better options than Dickerson. Yeah, if Corey Dickerson is your best option for starting a game, you know your lineup is in trouble. Right. I, I mean, I know Burleson has not done much, but I think I would have rather seen him in there, maybe. Um, at least there's a chance of him hitting the ball out of the ballpark. Um, and, and Burleson's been a pretty good contact guy, even though it hasn't translated into high on base percentage. Uh, but yeah, it, I remember listening to something from MLB Network before the playoffs started, and they were talking about the depth of the Cardinals lineup and just how much they had. And I thought, I don't know if you're looking at this the right yeah. way. I mean, they've got some pieces here, but look at that outfield. I mean, that outfield yeah. is ugly right now. And it there were even a couple balls that were that made it um, into ground rule doubles that I thought, uh-huh. you know, if you have if you had an outfield of O'Neill, Bader, and Carlson those balls are getting caught. There's yeah. no doubt in my mind that those balls were getting caught, but you didn't. Um, one guy's hurt. One guy's gone. One guy was on the bench. Uh, and so it, ugh. just when I saw that lineup come out for game two, I thought this is not good. I, I just mm-hmm. cannot see this playing well. And, and sure enough, they didn't score any runs. And so again, a lot of what ifs, but it simply comes down to the fact that they did not hit the ball. And if you don't hit the ball, you can't score runs. And if you don't score runs, you can't win the game. All that said, and I know we've gone a little bit long, but I do, I think there's, it's important to at least point out some of the good things, except for that ninth inning with, and you know, a lot of that's on Helsley and being injured. Um, the pitching staff did their job in this series, you know, uh, Quintana goes what five and a third or what, you know, and again, maybe he should have gone longer, but you know, no runs. Michaelis allows a home run to Bryce Harper, which, a lot of people have done. Um, Jordan Montgomery comes in and allows, you know, an inherited runner to score, but other than that, shuts things down. I don't think, you know, again, you really can't fault the pitching staff with this. I mean, even those times, there was what, two or three times that maybe they laid up a, you know, the, the ground rule doubles or whatever and would work out of it. Now, granted one took a, a pretty smart heads up play by Goldschmidt to get the runner at, at home instead of, you know, second, but you know, they worked out of it and, and they kept the team in the game. So, you know, as much as the offense didn't do their job, it feels like the pitching staff pretty much did theirs. Oh, absolutely. And that's where I thought the weakness was going to be. I thought mm-hmm. the Cardinals were completely overmatched when it came to starting pitching. And if you had given me the starting pitching lines before the series, I would have said, absolutely. Especially if you look at all three starters, considering that Montgomery came in there, um, I would have been thrilled with those outings. So, I mean, major credit to them. 
Hicks looked good. He did his job. Gallegos looked good. He did his job. Um, just everything else. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, I was trying to think of some positive points. I mean, Yepes, give him credit. He looked yeah. like, you know, he was ready to play and ready to go both games. But then beyond that, I, Newt had some, you know, both games, good leadoffs. Couldn't do anything with them. Um, but yeah, as far as the starting pitching went, I, I mean, they did as good of a job as you could want in something like that. I, I think at this point in the season, you can't expect Michaelis to go nine innings of shutout baseball. No. Um, that's just unreasonable. But what he gave you, absolutely. I will take that all day long. Um, so kudos to them. Um, I feel like the rotation is already pretty set or close to set for next year, which is a nice feeling. And maybe they have an abundance of pitching which usually when you have an abundance of pitching, you end yeah. up with three starters going into the season. <laughs> Pretty much. But um, at least I thought, you know, there's a bright spot there knowing that the Cardinals aren't scrambling to try to find two starters going into next year. Before we wrap it up, I'll ask you the question that everybody's going to be asking for a while. Adam Wainwright didn't pitch in this series um, because of how he pitched in September. Um as he said, that can be either a motivating factor or a sign. Does Adam Winrock come back next year? Oh, that's a great question. And I, I know there was some indication given that he might already know the answer, um, but he has to discuss it with family. I, I think he's too much of a competitive guy to not come back. Um, one thing I will say about Wainwright which I mean, his character is off the charts. People know mm-hmm. this. Right. This is this is going to be sound like such a weird statement to make, but he was not hurt this year one time. When you are that age and you are not hurt that hurt this year, and you are in the top fifteen in all of Major League Baseball of innings pitched, yeah, it's no doubt you're going to have a dead arm. Um, it's weird to say, but sometimes it's actually better for a pitcher to be injured for a little bit and skip mm-hmm. a few starts, like you know maybe a. Right an ankle is hurt, you know, just, you know, pull a groin or something like that. Um, but he, I mean, he was a workhorse this year and he took the ball every time he was needed. And I think because of that, that's part of the reason why his arm was dead at the end of the year. And he couldn't go on like that. I I kept waiting for them to skip some of his starts. And I don't know if the thing with, you know, him and Molina getting the battery record played into that. Mm -hmm. Um, Michael is the same thing. I thought, you know, he, he was like top five, if not top three in innings pitched, Thought, you know, give the guy some rest here and there because he's been healthy, but we want to keep him healthy. Um, so I, I'm curious, you know, now that the season's over, how Wainwright feels after throwing all these innings. Does he feel like, you know, the arm's going to heal? It's going to be fine. He can come back. If he does, I, I welcome him back. I'd like to see him pitch maybe 160 innings, not 200. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he's coming back. Uh, but I think he doesn't know for sure what his answer will be. I know for him, he said that he's more concerned about being a good father than a g- good baseball player. And that will dictate kind of what he's going to do. Cause he wants to see his kids grow up in high school and all that. Um, I'd like to see him go one more year. I, and I, I mean, I'm never going to complain about Adam Wayne. I don't know I could pitch till he's 50, you know, if, <laughs> if he wants to, for me, I, mean, I have no problem with that, but I have probably awful said that, for most of the year. And I'm going to hold to it right now because maybe because I'm always wrong. So maybe it's a good thing that he doesn't plan on coming back next year. I don't think, I don't think he really wants the farewell tour. Um, 
And I just don't think he wants to basically start from scratch with a new catcher in Mm. in what could be his last year. I mean, he's, he spent some time with Kisner and of course, but Yachty being gone for two months this year forced him into a little bit of dealing with, with Kisner and Herrera. And, And there's nothing, I don't, I'm not saying that he holds any grudges against them or doesn't want to play with them or anything like that. But there's one thing about getting through a couple of starts with these guys. There's another thing about this is how this is going to be all year long. Um, that I just don't know that he wants to do at this age. Um, you know, and I think there's at least in the back of his mind, I, it would be for me at least. What if this doesn't come back around? You know, what if my arm is just, this is the way it is. What if I, what if I struggle in April and May next year, you know, and get forced out of the rotation? Um, and I also don't think he wants to be like, okay, we're not going to sign Jose Quintana because Adam Wainwright's coming back and then Adam Wainwright not be good. Um, you know, all that said, yeah, I could easily see him coming back, but you're right. He's pitched well enough to do that. But in my mind, I, I just, I just, think that he's going to find the time. Like you said, there's been a couple of times as of late, even as good as he's pitched that I think the, if the vote on the family had gone the other way, he would have gone home. And as you said, I think it's getting to about that time where he, I mean, his oldest has got to be, I don't even know what his oldest is, but it's got to be in 15, 16, 17, right? Yeah. Um, I think he mentioned high school and, yeah. you know, kind of doing all the homecoming dances and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. And, you know, you can do some of that even now because, you know, he's, you know, we had homecoming this week, so, you know, he can be home for that. (laughs) Um, But it's still not the same. So I I don't know. That's my feeling. Um, If he doesn't, I mean, you're right. Even if he doesn't come back, you know, Montgomery's under contract, Flaherty's back, Matt's is going to be healthy. Um, you've got Dakota Hudson if you want to use him. That's a different question. <laughs> um, you've got who else am I missing? Michaelis, Michaelis for another Michaelis. year. There's, there, I mean, there's five right there. It could be really easy to to sign. You, know, I could imagine them signing a Katana back. Pilate um, could be in the rotation. Pilate's a, a possibility. Libertor, you know, who knows? Yeah, yeah, Jake Woodford's in that mix as well. Alex um, Reyes, I kind of say tongue in cheek. <laughs> I, I have, yeah. I mean, you never know. I, I can't. If we do see Alex Reyes again, and I think that's a huge if. Um, boy, I don't know if they would risk him out out of. I don't know what they do with Alex Reyes. So that's a totally different story. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of arms, and I still, you know, again, even with if it's not Quintana, you know, maybe they surprise us and go out and get a big name guy. But it'd be a little bit surprising as well. So. I don't know. We will see. We have a long time to go, a lot of time to discuss this. Um, but David, I appreciate you joining me and commiserating a little bit tonight as we uh, do a little postmortem on the season. Yeah, it's been a nice uh, therapy session for me because um, <laughs> I, I have not been enjoying the last 24 hours, but uh, it's it's nice to talk about it. And as they say in Chicago, there's always next year. That's right. Well, and again... I don't know what's the Cardinals had a frustrating year, but again, the Mets just lost 
and didn't they win like a hundred games or something this year? I mean, yeah. And Scherzer's making like. Elon Musk money uh, right. to go out there and get four home runs hit off of them. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it, it could be worse. Um, but that doesn't mean it's any good. So anyway, we'll do this again at some point in time. Um, but until whenever the next show is, I'm Daniel and that's David. Good night. See ya. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in baseball heaven.